You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let us open our Bibles together. This morning we turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28 and we're going to read the first 19 verses. Here once again Moses is speaking to the children of Israel on the plains of Moab. And he says, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading troughs will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in, and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people. As he promised you on oath, if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your forefathers to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day, and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today, to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading troughs will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed, and the crops of your land, and the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in, and cursed when you go out. Our text this morning is taken from Proverbs 14.34. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a disgrace to any people. Beloved congregation of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, today Canada celebrates another birthday. To be exact, it celebrates its 140th birthday today. And I know that compared to human lifespans, 140 years is a long time. 
But compared to the history of nations, it is a relatively short time. Ours is a rather young nation. Why, it was only in the previous century that the province of Canada, formerly known as Upper and Lower Canada, as well as the regions of Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, came together to form officially the Dominion of Canada. It was called neither the Kingdom of Canada nor the Confederation of Canada. Now history supposedly says that it was Sir Samuel Leonard Tilley who proposed that this new country be called a dominion. And he based his suggestion on the words of Psalm 72, verse 8, He shall have dominion from sea to sea. After Canada became a dominion, it grew quickly. Manitoba and the Northwest Territories were added in 1870, British Columbia in 1871. 1873 saw the addition of Prince Edward Island. Saskatchewan and Alberta were added in 1905. Newfoundland and Labrador in 1949. Nunavut in 1999. And as you may know, today Canada is the second largest nation after Russia on the face of the earth. Yes, and what a wonderful nation it is. We who have lived here so long, and those of you who were born here, perhaps do not realize this, but in many ways this really is the best place on earth. Those of you who travel abroad know what I mean. The world is filled with wonders, and there is much to see and to experience and to explore. But in the end, this is the place to be. Europe is fascinating. China is mysterious. Africa is enticing. South America is exotic. But in terms of beauty and space and opportunity and peacefulness, Canada is hard to beat. In short, we have a lot to thank the Lord for, beloved, as we celebrate together another national birthday. However, having said all of this does not mean that this land of ours is free of faults and shortcomings, struggle and unrest and threats and dangers. Also today, Canada faces challenges, huge challenges, some would say. What do I mean? Where am I going with this? Well, let's look at our text of this morning. It's not a very long text. But I preached to you on the theme, the key to being a great nation. And we shall see together that it's all about pursuing a certain quality, avoiding assured depravity, and confessing a divine authority. My beloved, the book of Proverbs is... Perhaps you realize that as well, and hope you all do, it is a wonderful book. 
And what makes it perhaps so wonderful and unique is that it is filled with all kinds of short, pithy statements. Statements that come from God. And in those statements you find all manner and wisdom and, and insights. It touches on all sorts of down-to-earth, daily matters and ever-present concerns. And as well, it deals with all of life's situations. Gives you guidance in conduct, business, farming, work, money, relationships, marriage, children. Really, it has something to say about every facet and aspect of our lives. And you know, it also has something to say about our national life. Of course, it doesn't supply us with an extended treatise on good government, but here and there it does point the way. Yes, so one of those places can be found in our text of Proverbs 14, verse 34, where the writer of the book says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Now that's short, but it's also loaded. You know, in a way it's like, I forget the name, but you know those Russian dolls, perhaps you've seen them. You you take them in your hand and you unscrew them, and once you unscrew them, there's another doll. And then you take that in your hand and you unscrew it, and there's another doll. And you unscrew it, and there's another doll. Before you know it, you have all of these dolls in front of you on the table from large to small. Layer after layer, doll after doll, it's all there. Well, in a manner of speaking, the book of Proverbs is like that. You read these short statements, but then you think about them, you concentrate your mind on them, and what do you see? You see, layer after layer after layer of meaning and application. And so it's here. Proverbs says, righteousness exalts a nation. Notice it doesn't say tolerance exalts a nation. Neither does it say freedom or prosperity exalts a nation. Neither does it say diversity or multiculturalism exalts a nation. Now, it doesn't use any of that language, any of those kind of terms, but rather it it speaks about righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? You could say it's a quality that arises out of a way of living And it's something that, first of all, has to do with fellowship, but then fellowship of a special kind, namely fellowship with God. If you look, for example, at Psalm 33. In Psalm 33, we have a description of the righteous. And who are the righteous? They are the people who sing to God and praise Him. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous, verse 1. 
They honor him for who he is and all that he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The, the earth is filled with his unfailing love. Verse 5. They marvel at his works. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Verse 6. They rest in his providence. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever and the purposes of his heart through all generations. They seek his person. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And they trust him with everything. In him our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name. And they crave his love. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord. Verse 22. In short, beloved, you can say the righteous are full of, full of God. He is their all and all. He is their all-consuming passion. He is their joy and their delight. And yes, and, and because He is all of this, they not only love Him, they also want to serve Him in thankfulness. But what does that service entail? It's about listening, seeking, obeying, Conforming your life to His will. Those who truly love God hunger to obey God. They want to conform their lives to His law, which is ultimately an expression of His will. They're like the psalmist in Psalm 119 who thirsts after the law of God. Or, beloved, to put it another way, because God is righteous and because he prizes righteousness so holy, we want to be righteous ourselves. Because God is holy, we as his people want to be holy. Because God is compassionate, we want to be compassionate. Because he is just, we want to be just. Quite simply, beloved, you can say that righteous people are people who want to do more than simply talk about justice and righteousness. They want to embrace it and to exemplify it and to model it and to spread it abroad. They want their neighborhood and their community and their country and their world to know about it and to experience it. I ask you, why did God ever elect a people for himself? Why was the nation of Israel formed? Why was the church of Jesus Christ constituted? Well, the answer comes through loud and clear in Acts 13, verse 47, where, where Paul quotes Isaiah the prophet, I have made you to be a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And that raises, of course, the interesting question. How is Israel supposed to be a light? How's the church supposed to be a light? And the answer, by the kind of life it lives. Take the case of Israel. If you read the books of 
Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. You soon gain an impression of the kind of nation this is to be. God gives her laws for all kinds of situations and circumstances. He gives laws that deal with the poor and the widowed and the orphaned and the alien or the refugee. He gives laws that deal with property and business and commerce. He gives laws that deal with relationships in marriage, family, town, village. He gives laws that deal with offenses, crimes, and punishment. And indeed, finally, the Lord himself says, and what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws that I am setting before you today? Israel is to be a righteous people, reflecting God's righteousness in an unrighteous world. As beloved, and the same goes for the church. The church as the Israel of God today is to be a righteous and holy people showing the world what it means to really live. And also our church here in Langley. And that means all of you, all of us, are to live lives of righteousness and holiness. Paul writes to the Philippians, and I think he's writing to us, through the Spirit, saying, Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God, without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars, in the universe as you hold out the word of life. We are to be blameless and pure. And what else is that but a call to live righteous lives? We are to do that because our God calls us to it. And we are to do it because you'll notice... The quality of righteousness is that which exalts not only us, but a nation. Do we want Canada to be and to remain and to become the best place on earth? Do we want our nation to be lifted up in terms of blessings? Do we want it to prosper and to thrive and to flourish? then you and I, you and I need to take up the challenge to live righteous lives every day. Yes, and we need to urge our fellow citizens to do the same. Sometimes we think in our laws and institutions that make and that change a nation. Last Friday, the native peoples of our land staged various roadblocks and parades and demonstrations in various places across our country. And if you ask why were they doing this, well, they would say, well, because they want the government 
to do more for them. In other words, the government is seen as the way up and the way out. But you know, that's not really the way up and out. The way up and out of poverty and drug abuse, teenage suicide and hopelessness is by turning to the God of righteousness and by conforming our human lives to his will. But because he can do what no government can do. And his son Jesus Christ can do what no no one else can do. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, we are reminded that in Christ we have all that we need because it says there, the Apostle Paul says, He is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Unrighteous people everywhere can become righteous by turning to, living with, And looking to Jesus Christ, the King of Righteousness. But will they? Will we? You know, there's another side to our text. The side that warns and sounds the alarm. And while it's true that righteousness exalts a nation, it's also true that sin is a disgrace. To any people. Unfortunately, a study of the history of Israel is a study in the last part of this verse. Here God gave them decrees and laws superior to that of all the other nations on the face of the earth in order that they might be a holy and a righteous people. And did they stand up and did they cheer and did they get with the agenda? No. Read the minor prophets. Hosea complains the merchant uses dishonest scales. He loves to defraud. And Joel charges they trade boys for prostitutes. They sold girls for wine. And Amos laments you trample on the poor. And Micah exclaims you defraud a man of his home and a fellow workman of his inheritance. And Zephaniah remarks, her prophets are arrogant, her priests profane the sanctuary. And so the list of Israel's sins go on and on. The indictments increase and the evidence mounts and mounts. And finally it is judgment time. And foreign nations become instruments of discipline in God's hands and means of punishment. Jerusalem is conquered, the temple is destroyed, and the people are dispersed. And you know, the psalmist is heard to lament, you have made us a byword among the nations. The people shake their head at us. How the mighty do fall. And now, beloved, what happened to Israel should serve as a warning to the nations. 
And of course, I realize Canada is no theocracy. There's a sense in which the nation of Israel was special and will always remain special. Nevertheless, while many things change as time goes on, there are some things that never change. And indeed, there is one who never changes, and that's the Lord. He's still the righteous one. He still calls on nations to establish justice, promote righteousness, and walk in holiness. But is that what we see in Canada? Is that what we see in our country? I think when we look around, we we see much that is good. There is a desire to promote and defend the rule of law. And many of our laws are right and true and just. And many of our institutions work to alleviate poverty, discrimination, and racism. And that's good and needs to be commended. However, what is not so good is that our country is more and more drifting away from God and His laws. It's increasingly bowing down before the false gods of secularism, materialism, and humanism. Abortion continues to be a blight on our country. And gambling drives many people into the arms of greed and covetousness. And illicit drugs breed a culture of violence and theft. And homosexuality fosters a lifestyle of immorality. And sexual perverts feed on our young. Proverbs says that sin is a disgrace to any people. And how true that is. Have you ever visited the downtown east side of Vancouver? You know that area around West Hastings and the old Carnegie Library? Maybe you need to do that. And in that way to be reminded that our nation faces huge challenges and has to confront humongous problems. What you see there are the consequences of sin and lives gone awry. What you see there is a national disgrace. What you see there are the sins of the nation being played out. Canada the beautiful. Depends where you look. Can also be Canada in trouble. And so what shall we do? What do, what does God expect us to do? What does He expect our nation to do? Well, the key lies in that popular Old Testament expression. It is the expression, turn back. Do you not remember the prophet saying repeatedly to Israel, turn back, turn back, O house of Israel, for why will you die? Why continue on this slippery slope to destruction? 
In other words, change is needed. Repentance is called for. Reformation is required. A reformation of heart and mind and deed. And where does the reformation begin? By turning to the Lord. And bowing down before Him. In the Old Testament, God's people were urged to turn back to the Lord, to His love. To his service. And I think today, fundamentally, it is no different. Today, all the nations are being told that they need to turn to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. After all, he's the one who died. He's crucified, buried. Rose again, ascended into the heavens. And what is he doing in the heavens? He's seated at the right hand of God. Which means he is ruling and reigning. And preparing. All things. And all the nations. He alone is the king of kings and lord of lords. And he alone is coming back to judge the living and the dead. And beloved, in light of all of that, you and I, you and I have a calling. We have work to do. We have a calling to live in daily fellowship with our great Lord and King. We have a calling to pursue justice, righteousness, and, and holiness in our lives. And we have a calling to be a salt of the earth and a light of the world. And what does all of that mean concretely? It means that we not only need to live lives of personal righteousness, but we also need to pursue and promote public righteousness. In other words, we need to get involved in our community, in our province. In our country, we need to read up on the issues. We need to develop a Christian perspective. We need to speak up and we need to let our voices be heard. Why are we conceding everything to the atheists and the humanists? And those who have only their own welfare at heart. A good student of history knows that in the past it were those of Anabaptist persuasion who avoided the political arena because they said it was too contaminated to get involved in. And it were the Reformed who precisely got involved in that dirty arena. But sometimes these days I think it's the other way around. The Anabaptists have woken up and are speaking out. And too many of us of reform persuasion are sticking our heads in the sand. Am I right? Am I wrong? Have you perhaps written off politics as a dirty business? Do you distance yourself from all public matters? Or do you secretly say to yourself, the world is doomed anyway? So what do I care? 
Beloved, we need to reconnect to our heritage and to our fathers. We need to remind ourselves that our righteous God still wants a righteous people. A people whose righteousness is both personal and public. If Jesus Christ is the great King of heaven and earth, and if you are his disciple, should you not be busy promoting his lordship and through it the future of our nation. Today is Canada's 140th birthday. We're going to sing in a little while on Canada. There's a line in there. It says, we stand on guard for thee. Do we? Let's celebrate, but let's also get to work. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.